Section 8 of the Book of Wales. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Book of Wales by Frank Evers Bedard. A Comparison of Whales with Other Aquatic Mammals. Chapter 3. A Comparison of Whales with Other Aquatic Mammals. Whales compared to seals. In the preceding pages, a great deal has been said about the influence of environment upon structure. Or to put the matter in a fairer way without prejudging the issue of the connection between environment and structure a study of other aquatic mammals however and a comparison of them with whales brings out very clearly the fact that the organism is not moulded in precisely the same way in every case it would be strange indeed if it were so seeing that the material upon which the same influences have to work is different the tribe of seals forms a very convenient starting point in such a series of comparisons for there is no doubt at all about the affinities of these marine carnivora and they show a series of stages of more and more perfect adaptation to an aquatic existence it is easy therefore here to distinguish between structural features which are related to the aquatic life and those which are definite peculiarities of the group not so related the seals unquestionably form a subdivision of the carnivora to which on account of the fin-like character of the forelimbs the name of finiperia has been given further than this it is possible to place them nearer to the bare division of the land carnivora than to other groups the effects of a seafaring life are more plainly seen in the true seals than in the walrus or the sea lions the latter group in fact is a stage leading towards the more completely aquatic seal in the true seals facidae the form is more fish-like the nostrils have come to lie upon the top of the head instead of terminally the external ears have completely vanished the auditory organ being marked externally by a hole only the hind limbs are quite useless for progression on land being quite bound up by the integuments with the tail the sea lions can move with some rapidity upon dry land since the hind limbs have not so nearly lost their original functions the external ears are present but much reduced they vary moreover in the degree of reduction being much larger in the cape sea lion otaria pusilla than in the beast of patagonia otaria jubata in these external characters there are certain obvious resemblances to whales the fish-like form the disappearance of the conch of the ear the form of the fin which is even falcate in form in both groups of aquatic mammals the removal in the seals of the nostrils to the top of the skull though not to a point so far back as in the whales these are plain and obvious likenesses there are others which a closer study and comparison of the two groups bring to light the flippers have no nails in the whales though in the fetus traces of the structures have been discovered by kukenthal in the sea lions the nails though still recognizable are exceedingly small and not of the faintest use for scratching or any other nail function this is not always the case with the true seals in phoca the seals of our coasts there are well-developed claws on the hand but on the other side we have the antarctic genus Omatophoca with the four limbs furnished only with quite rudimentary nails. The nails, therefore, may be fairly said to be disappearing in all these animals. Another feature in which there is a functional resemblance between whales and seals is the hind limbs. Considering that the latter are merely represented by the tiny rudiments in the whales, the comparisons may seem at first sight to be a little ridiculous. But there is, as has been discovered, a functional likeness in spite of this obvious dissimilarity. The hind limbs of the seal tribe play the part of a tail they are extended beside the tail and act precisely as to the flukes of the tail in the whale it is by their means chiefly that the creature is propelled through the water in the one group that unnecessary hind limbs have nearly disappeared altogether in the other they have as it were become part of the tail 
It is evident that an aquatic beast does not need the usual two pairs of limbs. The fact is shown also among fishes, but again in a different way from that which we see in whales and seals. In many fishes, the hinder pair of limbs persists, but is moved forward so as to lie in the same straight line or thereabouts with the anterior pairs of limbs. In primitive fishes, on the other hand, such as Ceratodus, the Australian mudfish, both limbs persist in what we have to consider as the normal position. It is exceedingly interesting to note that in the three groups cited, a practically similar result is obtained in a totally different manner. In the last mentioned character, therefore, as well as in others which will be dealt with presently, the seal tribe have pursued a different path towards complete adaptation to the aquatic life to that followed by the whale tribe. But there is still a point remaining among what are practically external features, in which the seals resemble to a certain extent the whales. It is usual among terrestrial mammals for the humerus to be longer, sometimes much longer than the radius. On the other hand, with the sole exception of Inia, the whale's humerus is shorter than the radius. Dr. Mivart has given some measurements of these bones in representatives of the three kinds of aquatic carnivora, and his figures are as follows. In the common seal, Foca vitulina, the length of the humerus is 11 inches and that of the radius the same. In Otaria jubata, the Patagonian sea lion, the two bones measure respectively 23 and 24 inches. Finally, in the walrus, the proportions are 30 and 23. It is curious to observe that the sea lion is the most whale-like of the three types. Now, as to the external features in which the seal tribe differ from whales. In the first place, the former have completely retained their hairy covering. There is no hint of a commencing baldness whatever. Moreover, there is not here a case of the substitution of one organ for another that plays a similar part, for the seals have an abundant layer of fat and are pursued for purposes of oils as much as are whales. They have fur and blubber. Again, the extra length of digit required is not brought about in a cetacean fashion by the increase in the separate phalanges of the fingers, but by the formation of cartilaginous extensions of the fingers beyond the nails. That these are beyond the nails shows that they are not comparable to the extra phalanges of the whales, for the rudiments of nails which have been discovered in whales are terminally placed upon the hand. A peculiarity which the sea lion shares with the whales is the great breadth of the scapula. For some reason or other, this seems to be useful to an aquatic animal, for it is in these two types that the scapula seems to attain to its greatest diameter. It is true that in the edentis, the same bone is also very broad, and that it is relatively narrow in the manatee, but the breadth is most striking in the sea lion and in the whale. But on a close comparison of the blade bones of the two, it is to be noticed that, in spite of superficial likeness, there are fundamental differences. In the sea lion, it is in the front part of the bone, that which lies headwards of the spine, that is expanded most. In the whale, it is precisely the reverse. Hence, the same general result is brought about in a totally diverse way in the two orders of aquatic mammals. Whales and Sirenia The Sirenia form the third most important and the last group of aquatic mammalia. They are limited race today, though there are remains of more abundant genera in the past. Living now are only the two genera, Manatis and Helicor. The former are South American, West Indian and West African. They are coast-living and fluviatile animals, which browse along the bottom of the sea or of rivers upon algae. Thus is derived their name of sea cows. There seems to be four species of this genus. Helicor, the dugong, is an eastern creature apparently of only one species. Most persons are aware that quite recently there lived on the shores of Bering Straits a 
third variety of this group of mammals, the Rutina or Stellar Sea Cow. This has been extinct since about 1770, but as its external characters are unknown, it may come into the following comparison of Sirenia with whales. The general form of the body of these sea creatures is not especially whale-like. They offer, as it were, an intermediate, incomplete form, halfway between the purely terrestrial animal and the totally aquatic whale. Dr. Simon, who observed the dugong in Torres Straits, remarks of it that it appears to the eye more fish-like than seals and more mammal-like than whales. The dugong, however, and the retina are so far whale-like in that they possess a forked tail, set of course, as in whales, and not as in fish. In the manatee, the tail has another form, which, as has already been mentioned, it is not unsuggestive of the tail of the fetus of certain whales. It is interesting to note that here, as in some other points, the dugong and the retina are more whale-like, or at least more purely aquatic in their structural features, than as the manatee. There is one small point of possible comparison between the whales and the sirenia which seems to have been overlooked. It is well known that the upper lip of the manatee is cleft vertically, and that the two halves of the upper lip thus divided act as a pair of grasping organs for the leaves upon which the animal feeds. Rudiments of the same structure which are more pronounced in the fetus also exist in the dugong. Now it has often been noticed that in the whales, between the two blow holes is a furrow. It seems to be just within the bounds of possibility that this group is a still further reduction of the same splitting of the lip which is so useful to the manatee. Apart from this, however, we may notice that in the sirenia the nostrils are superior in position and that in the halicore they are more so than in manatees. Another reason is to be seen here for regarding the dugong as the more perfectly modified animal of the two. The external ear of the sirenia has vanished, leaving only a minute ear hole, as in the cetacea. The body of the sirenia is, however, more hairy than that of whales, yet the hair is scant and coarse. Dr. Kukenthal has discovered that formerly these animals possessed, in addition to the sparsely scattered strong hairs, a covering of finer hairs. In these animals, therefore, as in the whales, the aquatic life leads to the loss of the hairy covering of the body, so characteristic of land mammalia. It may be mentioned, moreover, that the hairs are especially strong upon the upper lip, thus recalling the only hairs that are left in the whales, which clothe, or rather, are found upon the same region. Sweat glands, moreover, fail entirely as in the whales. Only in embryo of Manitus laterostris did Kugenthal find some, after all, rather doubtful traces of these glands. They are, of course, absent in whales. Finally, so far as concerns the skin, the sebaceous glands, such constant companions of the hairs in mammals, generally, are beginning to vanish altogether in the sirenia. They occur, however, though in a rudimentary shape, in the fetus, while they are completely absent in the few hairs of the whales. As in the whales, the skin of the sirenia is underlaid by a copious blubber which doubtless plays the part that should be performed by the hair of preserving the heat of the body. It has, however, been remarked that in the sirenia the blubber is unlike that of the whales in that there is no free liquid oil compared to the spermacity of the sperm and other whales. The sirenia have, like the whales, the forelimb of a fin-like form, but there are differences in the completeness with which this metamorphosis has progressed. The dugong has become more completely aquatic in this particular than the manatee. The latter, with the exception of the species Manatus inungus, has preserved the nails upon the extremities of the fingers, while these have entirely disappeared in the dugong. Moreover, in the latter genus the forearm no longer takes any part in the formation of this fin, a feature which, of course, 
is shared by the cetacea professor kukenthal has however called attention to a curious similarity which exists between the hand of the sirenians to that of the sea lions in the shape of numerous papillae and grooves upon the under surface this is associated in the otaridae with a partial life upon land and the existence of these structures in the sirenia seems to indicate a more recent abandonment of the terrestrial life than has been the case with the cetacea whose flippers are smooth a reason for their retention however in the dugongs is perhaps to be found in the fact that these creatures graze upon beds of seaweed as a herbivorous mammal does upon a field of grass and the rough papillae prevent the animal from slipping when thus engaged in cropping its food in the skeletons of the forelimb there are no strong resemblances to the whales for the joints between the bones are well developed and there are only slight beginnings of hyperphalange so characteristic feature of the cetacea when we turn to the internal structure of the sirenia the resemblances which they exhibit to the cetacea by no means disappear the bony framework of the head is perhaps the part of the skeleton which shows most unlikeness in the two groups and this fact is not without significance for it is precisely in that region that external influence would not play so strong a part as it might well be supposed to do elsewhere the skull remarks professor zittel shows not the least resemblance to the cetaceans nevertheless the nasal bones are much shortened though that is a character found elsewhere it is no use to give any detailed analysis of the skull in comparison with that of the whales in the vertebral column the fusion of the second and third vertebrae of the neck must not be looked upon as being really a strong point of likeness to whales since in the edentata the same fusion occurs more important perhaps as a likeness is the thin character of the centra of those vertebrae in retina the reduction in number of the vertebrae of the lumbar region is parallel in inia which as has been often remarked would appear to be an early type of whale most striking as evidence of likeness between the sirenia and the cetacea is the shortened sternum and the fewness of the ribs attached thereto but here again we may have to do with the need of powerful respiratory movements in these diving animals as to the hind limb it is instructive to notice that a pair of hind limbs do not seem to be at all necessary to swimming and diving creatures end of section eight